Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by Floor and Decor. Largest selection of hard surface flooring and lowest prices guaranteed. Jesse, this is Jim. How can I help you? Yes, sir. Thank you for taking my call, Jim. Um, I need, I have a sunken living room and I need to raise it. It's probably about five inches deep or so. And I was just wondering, what are the pros and cons of doing that? Do you do it with two by fours, or do you do it with do you pour concrete? You just, can do it with two by fours if you want, but I normally just fill it with concrete because you know it's it's usually a sunken area that has concrete all the way around it. So we go in, we remove the flooring, remove usually it's carpet in there, so we take out the carpet. Take out the tack strips. You got to remove the flooring around the edge of it, and then you literally cover everything with plastic because you're going to pump concrete in there to to fill it up. Now, doesn't the the weight of the concrete though uh, doesn't that impact your foundation? Nah, it it, it won't bother the foundation a bit because it's spread out over such a wide area, and truthfully, the weight is pretty minor. It's not an issue at all. Okay, because my living room is probably about 15 by 16. Uh-huh. And so, uh, and that was one of my concerns is, well, do, is it, do I do two-by-fours or do I pour concrete? If I decide to go, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that the cost to pour concrete is probably going to be more than doing your two-by-fours. Is that a true? Uh, very well could be. I Truthfully, I've never... Uh... Never priced it the other way. I've always I just see. filled it with concrete. Oh, and I'll, okay. I will tell you why I, I, I've never priced it the other way. When you Typically, people are filling them because they're getting moisture in there. And if you put wood in there, uh, you're going to have a spot that's going to trap moisture, you know, because it's still going to get moisture into it. And it can get moldy and, and stuff like that. And I just don't want to run that risk. So I just fill it with concrete and I'm done. Had an email question came in about, and it's regarding drainage. And she says, I have a big concern about the pooling of water around my home when it rains. My yard is very uneven. I have had my house leveled within the past year and need to take care of this issue. Could I just hire a landscaper or would I need someone with more expertise? Also, would you have someone to recommend? Well, Here's a big thing on land, on on uh, drainage. Landscapers love to use that black flexible pipe. And I just hate that stuff because if you think about our soils, they're constantly expanding and contracting, going up and down. That black f- flexible pipe goes up and down with it and it starts getting low spots that start trapping dirt and debris when water's going through it and it just prematurely fails all the time. Uh, when you put in a drainage system, use PVC pipe, you know, three, four inch PVC pipe. It's solid. It can be cleaned out. I mean, it's just a better way of doing it. So can a landscaper do it? They can if they've got the knowledge on how to properly do it. Uh, would you, I do it with a landscaper? Probably not since I have a foundation repair company, Do West, and we do drainage as well so yeah i would do it that way it just comes out so much better and long term lasts longer charlotte how are you today 
I'm just great, Tom. Thank you. My question is about a hardy plank siding. Um, my old, I guess it's called masonite siding, as you know, that stuff falls apart after a certain point of time. And so yep. I thought if I'm going to put up stuff that I might as well put up hardy plank. And so I, so I be a semi-educated consumer about it when I start having people come out for bids. Um, once we take off the, the, the siding, I think there's probably going to be felt back there. Can we put that hardy plank over the felt, or is there going to have to be something else that sits behind the hardy plank? I normally recommend that you put something else behind it. You know, put some some uh, plywood or uh, OSB or uh, part. Uh, the, yeah, the the OSB board. You know, with the uh, wood chips type stuff. Something okay. solid because the siding will look much better if it's against something solid than it does spanning between the two by fours. Okay, so it's basically just a support thing, then. It's yes. not not for any any structural benefit. Not really. Uh, well, it is structurally going to make the house stronger by doing it, but uh, it, okay. it's not. It's one of those things where even Hardy will say, we recommend it, but it's not required. Well, and actually on the Hardy site, they sell some sort of board. I forget now the name of it, Weather Feed or something. I forget the name of it. Yeah. They sell something that they, that, that it's like kind of what you're talking about. But yep. they also sell a... Charlotte, like, I, I'm sorry. I'm going to put you on go. hold for a okay. minute, and uh, I, I will come right back to you when we come back with more Texas Home Improvement. All right, when we left, I was talking with Charlotte, and there we go. Sorry about that, Charlotte. That's okay. we got to pay the bills. <laughs> yeah, we do. Well, we, And we got to um, keep everybody informed about news and weather and traffic and all that good stuff. Exactly right, exactly right. So um, on the um, Hardy Plank site, there is some kind of a, a film, not a film, it, it's like a... Um, a it's hardy wrap covering. Yes, that's what it is. That's what they call yeah. it. But I think that may be for new construction versus. Well, that's that's thing. even uh, doing what you're talking about, retrofitting. Uh, basically, you know, like I'm telling you to put a, a plywood or 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 OSB board, or even if you don't, you would put this wrap on first. It's it's very much like a Tyvek is. It's to keep rainwater from going through but it still allows the vapors to breathe through the material. That's basically what the wrap does. So it sounds like I could put that over the existing felt that's going to be behind the the, the mason boarding. You could, Yes, you could. Okay, 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 okay. Okay, well, you've answered my question then. Thank you. We were talking with Bill when we left, and, okay, Bill, you got a, a metal roof. Is this a uh, panels or is it just the long sheets? Aluminum the aluminum shingles. shingles? Okay. Yes, sir. Yeah, that, that's old. what I wanted to get clarified. Okay. Yeah, the house is fifty years old. The shingle, the uh, aluminum shingle over, over wood, over wood shingle. Right. And the the aluminum shingle roof is about, I'm going to say, thirty years of age. And I, I wanted, why, why would it ever wear out? Uh, why, I've gotten so much longevity out of it. I, why does it give out? And also. Is there any kind of radiant barrier aspect to this aluminum shingle roof that I have on my house? Uh, I I would say there's some. It's not a great deal, though. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, and how long? What what gives out on this roof? Why 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 will I ever have to replace it? And I don't see them replacing. I don't see aluminum aluminum shingle roofs being done anymore. No, uh, you know, they found sh- uh, other products that will hold up as well that are cheaper to put on than the aluminum. They they found the aluminum hard to to sell cost wise was. The big problem, and especially once aluminum, you know, 10 years ago, aluminum got really expensive. Now it's cheap again now, but for a while there, it was so expensive, they, they just couldn't afford to make the shingles out of it anymore. Uh, as far as any issues with it, there's really not. It, it really is a shingle that's going to last for a long time. The biggest things that'll tear it up is hail, and if we get if you get into a really bad windstorm like a hurricane or something that starts peeling it off. That's about it. Mm-hmm. And then stop it around up there. Well, you're not supposed to be up there. That's right. Don't get up there. <laughs> uh, also, I've heard you mention about a, a, a radiant barrier that you can put on the floor of the attic. Yes. You've, I guess on top of the... Of the, uh, of, of the Insulation. Uh, insulation, and then that weight down the insulation, number one, and kind of tend to compact the insulation. Also, oh no, like no, no, dust. no! It's this is this is it's just a thin, light, lightweight thing. It, the insulation doesn't even know what's on there. Oh, okay. And doesn't dust in the attic settle onto that any uh, radiant barrier and uh, negate some of its uh, potential? It does if it's a single ply radiant barrier. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a, a multi-layer system. Uh, yes, I've had it in my attic for 16 years now. And, and a yes, I've, could put, uh, oh, a yeah. could put this stuff down himself? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the name of it, and where do I get it? It's called Energy Q, Energy, the letter Q, dot uh-huh. com. Yeah, and it's sure. out of Texas here. It's out of uh, Colleyville, Texas, up by Dallas. I uh, thank you so much. You bet. Take care, Bye-bye. Bill. Just a reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us. There is one thing I wanted to address uh, on today's show, so I got a minute before we got to take a break, so I thought I'd do that now. People are complaining about uh, delays in being able to do projects, and contractors are having to explain to people that because of COVID, a lot of manufacturers are behind on making parts and, and different things like that. Just like everybody had to stay home uh, for a month, you know, two months ago. Well, that put everything behind. And everything nowadays is on a as-needed basis. They don't stockpile the stuff. And so that kind of bit us all in the butt. And because of COVID... Well, you look at the meat processing plants. How many of them have still been shut down because they can't get enough workers to work and get the stuff done? That's the same thing that's happening to uh, manufacturers of parts for air conditioners and, and different things like that. So if, if, if it's difficult to get the parts, right now there is a reason. Auto manufacturers have the problem. AC manufacturers, everything that's being made is running behind because of it. And take it easy on, on the, the guys that you're dealing with who are explaining it to you that they just plain can't get the parts to put something together. And I know sometimes it is a real problem for you. 
But trust me, the contractors want to get it done as much as you want it done. They just have to get the right parts to do it the proper way. Uh, I just want to throw my two cents out on that. I don't think this is a problem that's going to go away anytime soon. I think we're looking at these issues for a long stretch. And so I think it's something we're going to probably have to get a little more accustomed to. This comes from Doug and Katie. Seven-year-old house seeing hairline cracks and floor tiles. Should I be worried? And his message is, I'm seeing hairline cracks in our 24-inch floor tile on our first floor. One toward the front of the house, about 18 inches in, and in the kitchen extending out from the cabinet space, around 30 inches. I also have an upstairs bathroom door that will no longer latch with a two to three inch crack in the inside upper corner on the hinge side. Possible foundation issues or poor construction practices? Question mark. Well, the crack in the tile, to be honest with you, doesn't bother me all that much. You got 24 inch tiles. Those are large tiles. And it sounds like you got a large area of tile, you know, because you got it both back and front of the house. The more area of tile that you have, the more likely you are you're going to get cracks in the tile. The larger the tile, the more likely that crack is going to go through the tile. So the fact that you're getting some hairline crack in a couple of the tiles, uh, that really doesn't bother me all that much. That's one of the reasons if you have tile put in, always make sure you get some extra pieces for changing pieces out if it should ever happen. Now, the cracks that you're seeing upstairs. Typically, the higher you go, the quicker you see foundation movement, the cracks appearing. However, so many new homes, especially from that, you know, 10 years ago, this is a seven-year-old house, they made these downstairs open concepts. The second floor is up there, and it's they're trying to spread too far out with the beams that they have, and so you get sagging. And I'm not convinced this is a foundation issue. Uh, it almost sounds more like you're getting some sagging of the floors. That's going to look the same as a foundation movement issue on the second floor because the base of the second floor, hey, it's sagging. Therefore, you're getting some cracking in the sheetrock. So here's what I would recommend. Let's get somebody out to take a look at it. Whether you want to hire an engineer or you want to have Due West come out, and do a survey on it. And the reason I want you to do this, you need to get a benchmark of where this foundation is right now. By taking and doing the drawing, taking elevation readings, one, that's going to benchmark where the house sits on that date. Because most foundations in Texas have a 10-year warranty on the foundation. If you're going to have an issue you want to make sure it's documented. You want to make sure to put the builder on notice. And if you don't already have it, see if you can get a hold of the builder's insurance policies as far as you know general liability and construction insurance from that time period. Because if the builder happens to go out of business, and trust me, there's going to be a lot of contractors and people going out of business during this COVID stuff. A lot of businesses are going out, you know, whether they're construction or not. But the more businesses that go out of business, the more contractors are going to go out of business as well because the, the volume of work being done is going to start to shrink. 
And even though everybody's been doing a lot of remodeling right now, I think if we look out in the future, two years from now, we're going to see a, a lot fewer contractors or smaller contractors. So there's going to be a, a shrinkage of the, the work availability out there. It, regardless, document, document, document. And if need be, put the builder on notice. Don't put the builder on notice, though, until you have either an engineer or, like I said, you can have Due West come out until you got that survey done, those elevation readings, to see exactly where it's sitting. Because if it's not the foundation, chances are you're not going to have it. Any, any leg to stand on as far as foundation movement. However, you may be able to go after them to reinforce that second floor because, quite frankly, that's going to be every bit probably as expensive as doing foundation repair. And it does happen where new homes have to have extra support put in. It's just a design flaw sometimes in, in the footprint. And I don't know if this is a custom home or if it's a track home. Regardless... Let's start with the survey of it. Hello, Carlos, listening to us on KRLD. Hello. Hey, how can I help you? We, uh, I've got a, in my kitchen area, it takes a long time for the water to get hot in the kitchen, kitchen sink. We got a two-story house, and the uh, hot water heat is over the attic of the second story. So, you know, it's, you know the hot water has to travel quite a bit, you know, to get right. to the kitchen. I'm just wondering, is there anything I could do about that or put something up under the counter, kitchen counter to be the oh, process? Sure. There's, there's a couple of things you can do. Uh, one is a recirculating system. I'm not a huge fan of recirculating systems, uh, at least not ones that stay on all the time. Uh, you mm -hmm. can have them where you hit a button and it starts circulating the water, and those are okay. But typically, for, for what you just described, I'd recommend a small water heater under the sink you can either go with a little you know five or ten gallon tank type water heater or okay. just a little tankless and really the little tankless is the way i like to go because they make them where you can plug it into a 110 and when you turn the hot water on the little tankless comes on you got water hot water right there and as soon as the hot water from the tank water heater in the attic makes it down that little tankless will shut off, and you're operating off the other water heater. Okay, great. Now, would I have to connect that to the, uh, let's say, the half-inch line that's coming to the hot water or the little, maybe, what, three-eighths coming yes. off of the uh, valve? Well, what would happen is the water that's coming out of the wall would go straight mm -hmm. into that tankless water heater, and then your water, your line from the tankless goes up to the faucet. Yeah, but, but uh, yeah, what did you connect the tankless to the uh, half-inch or to the uh, little valve, uh, little, what, three-eighths valve? I mean, the three-eighths line that's going to the uh, the faucet, or do I do I need to tie into the half-inch line that's in the wall? The half-inch. You know, oh, okay, the half-inch, okay. Yeah. So that, okay, I guess I can, yeah, just tie that. Okay, all right, yeah, okay, I can do that. Oh, yeah, because really all you got to do is take the little uh, valve off valve that's off. down there, and, okay. and you're, you're good to tie into it then. Okay. Okay. All right, I, I, I do that. All right. Uh, have you got a plug-in underneath? Yes, uh, okay. where the uh, garbage disposal is. Yeah. There's a plug down there. Okay. 
Well, understand though that one right now is set up where you got to turn the switch oh, on and off turn, turn switch to have on. power. Okay. Yeah, right, but right, that's right. You can have an electrician come in and have it where part of it turns on and off with the switch, and the other part stays hot, so you can plug the water heater into it. Right. Okay. I got or have them put another circuit either way, but okay. All right. All right. I got you on that. Okay. Thanks so much, Edgar. Welcome to Texas Home Improvement. How can I help you? Hi, how are you today? Wonderful. How about you? I'm okay. I just have a quick question for you. I bought this home about 12 years ago here in Sugarland, and I forgot to ask for the blueprint. Now, I called the builders. They said they don't have it. They said they already give it to uh, the county. So I called the county. They said they don't have it. What am I going to do? Nothing. <laughs> most, most people don't have the blueprints for their home. I, I wouldn't lose any sleep over that at all. Okay, yeah, because uh, it's in a blueprint. They have all the uh, electrical thing and all the plumbing. No. And also, um, no? No, the, the blueprints have the foundation layout, the, the mm -hmm. framing layout, but typically the plumber, uh, the electrician, uh, and the AC guys, they come in and pick how they're going to run the wires, the ducts, the, the pipes, and all that stuff. It, it's, it's usually not laid out in the blueprints. Oh, Oh, because I thought I thought uh, the blueprint has the uh, like the architect where you know where you run the wire and all the plumbing, all that stuff before nope. they come over. Yeah, no, nah, oh, they okay. they they just have where they want plugs, but how the electrician mm -hmm. typically runs the wires and all that stuff uh, is usually left up to the electrician. Okay, okay, all right. So um, um, the second thing I thought also is like. You know, when I'm trying to, like, drill something in there, so at least I know where the wire and, you know, the plumbing is running so I don't hit them when, you know, put the screw in. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah. If, so, if it's not in the blueprint, then uh, answers everything. Thanks a lot, Yeah. You bet. Take care. Bye-bye. Now, you would think it would be in the blueprints, but if you ever looked at, at the blueprints, uh, no, it's just a kind of a general layout and shows the framing details and and things like finishing and stuff like that but the the stuff that's hidden behind the walls that's usually not there to to help you out much this is from barbara in fort worth i hired a new to the business landscaper to make a flower bed in my backyard yep it's true he dug down 12 inches and filled it in with soil and now it just holds water. It is 110 foot long and three to five feet wide clay pit that holds water. We are 20 years retired and way too old to do what needs to be done ourselves, whatever that is. And now he wants $4,400 to $5,500 to do a French drain. Any ideas what can be done without killing ourselves or who to call to help. Well, actually, Do West can help you with this. Uh, here's what I'm thinking, though. Rather than, since he's already dug this pit, you got two things you can do. One would be obviously remove everything and fill it back in with the gumbo clay soils and then do your landscaping. But the other would be to actually just put some drain lines coming in off the front of this thing since it's holding water and just run a pipe if you've got enough drop out to the road to let the water run off of this. 
you know, it, it's not that you're going to have huge amounts of water and, and huge stream of water. You just need to have the ability for the water to drain out of it. And <clears throat> I think that could be accomplished very easily by just running some drains off the front of it. Now, typically, I would prefer to have a, a rock bed on the bottom. But again, that would require digging the whole thing up. So instead of doing that, what I would recommend is in the front of it, wherever the the uh, pipes are going to be running from, we would dig a pit, maybe a two-foot diameter pit, fill that with gravel, and have your pipe run out of that. And all that's going to do is give the water that gets into that trench someplace to go to drain off. And I think that'll fix your problem, and it'd be minimal expense. It uh, really shouldn't be much at all. So, Barbara, I hope that helps you out with that. Uh, but, yeah, got to be careful hiring People who don't know what they're doing. And unfortunately, a lot of times people claim they do, but don't. Uh, this comes from Jeff in Heath. And he says he needs a toilet. There are so many types out there now. I know we want a chair height one, but how do you know which ones will flush the best? Well, here's the first thing I'm going to tell you. You're probably not going to the box stores then. You need to go to a plumbing supply store. Believe it or not, there is a big difference in toilets. And where the biggest difference comes in is where the glazing is done. Some of your cheap toilets, the S-trap that's, you know, where the water goes out through the toilet, they're not glazed with anything. And so it tends to hang up and slow down on the flushing. Uh, so you want to get a, a good toilet. Kohler makes good ones. Uh, American Standard makes good ones. So there, there's several brands out there that are higher-end, work-better type toilets. And it does make a difference on the longevity of them because a cheap glazing will not hold up as long as a good glazing on a toilet. You know, some people will get 20 and 30, 40 years out of a toilet because it was a quality glazing on it to begin with where when you buy a cheap one five to ten years later you're replacing that toilet so you know if you're getting ready to move or something and you want to put a cheap one in that's fine but if you want to put in a good one go to the plumbing supply store and like i said kohler american standard those are both good brands for toilets and you can get the chair height that you're looking for that way uh, Gary, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Thank you. Uh, I have a sprinkler head that uh, won't retract, and I have gently pushed on it, and I can't can't push it back down. Mm. Usually, it's going to be the spring inside, uh, and and it could be that you got some debris in there. So shut the water off to it, and the top should be able to be unscrewed off of the base of it, and you'll be able to see the springs, make sure there's not something messed up with it or to make sure something's not uh, in where the, the head slides up and down that's wedged in there and keeping it from going. Okay, so you say the, the, the bottom uh, part unscrews, not the, not the center portion that, that sticks up? Well, you know, they're, they're kind of shaped like a... Uh, Oh, like a little vase, you know. It, it's a it's a little bigger at the top, and then it gets a little narrower at the bottom, where it screws onto the pipe. 
Well, if you look at the very top of a sprinkler head, it looks like a big nut that you can unscrew, and you can. You literally can unscrew that thing apart. A lot of times you got to dig the head up, though, because if you start trying to unscrew it, you're going to unscrew from the pipe. So it's, uh, it's I, I, I try to unscrew the um, round thing that's at the bottom. At the, to at the top. Yeah, the round thing that's at the top that looks like a big nut. Hold the base and unscrew that round part on the top where the where the plunger is coming up and down. That you know where the water squirts out. Oh, so okay. So I don't I I, I don't unscrew the plunger that sticks up. No, the part that it's going through will unscrew from the housing. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Now, now, now I got you. Okay. Yeah. Un unscrew that, and there may be some debris or something yep. in in there that I can yep. clean out. Yep, and and you can see then if the if, it could be even that the spring broke or or something, and if that's the case, just go down and get another sprinkler head. They're real cheap. Okay, okay, very good. Thank you, sir. You bet. Take B care. Bye bye. And this comes from Mike in McKinney, and he says, "I watched your foundation watering system video, and I have a question. If you have bushes planted twelve to eighteen inches from the foundation, should you put the soaker hose inside the bushes closer to the foundation?" Or should you put the hose outside the bushes, which would keep be as much as 24 inches from the foundation? Honestly, Mike, you can do either one. I wouldn't get any closer than six inches to the foundation. Uh, but if you got to go outside the bushes and it's 24 inches, you're going to be fine. Because the whole thing that you're trying to do is keep a moist ring around the foundation and by doing that you keep the soils expanded because what causes most foundation problems when the soil dries out it shrinks when the soil gets wet it expands again well if you got some areas that are wet and some that are dry you get differential movement on the foundation that starts causing problems and that's where trees come in because their roots will dry out certain areas of the foundation where they're reaching towards the foundation for moisture that's trapped up under the foundation. So yes, that video is there to help you out, but if you got questions on it, by all means, reach out to us during Texas Home Improvement. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.